Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, welcome. To start off with, I'd like you to imagine that you go to your favorite play space or dungeon and you see a woman. She's in her 30s, but she looks like she could be much older as she's hunched up over a pair of crutches. Or maybe she's using a wheelchair. She looks sad until she makes eye contact with you and she smiles. She's sitting by herself quietly observing others playing. Would you talk with her? Would you even acknowledge her presence? I don't expect you to answer me, but just think about it. This could be a woman with no visible sign of disability. Maybe if you do talk with her, you realize she can't hear you. Or maybe you start a conversation and quickly realize she doesn't laugh at your sarcastic jokes or understand the metaphors you use. Would you continue talking with her? Would you ever consider this woman as a potential play partner? Would you consider negotiating a scene with her? Most people won't. In a typical bar or nightclub, most people won't even say hello. Most people will try to avoid eye contact when she smiles up at them. Some people may open a door for her or may smile back at her with a look of pity in their eyes. If they start talking with her and notice an invisible disability, they may quickly back away from the discussion. Why is that? What thoughts are keeping folks from talking with her? In a dungeon, what keeps people from playing with her? Perhaps it's the fear of the unknown. There could be a sense of wanting to protect her from these things that other people enjoy. There could be a belief that people with disabilities cannot have sex. Along with that comes the idea that people with disabilities are not sexy. Society sees people with disabilities as childlike and having to be protected, even when we don't want to be protected. Particularly when it comes to BDSM, there could be a very real fear of hurting this woman. Perhaps the belief that people with disabilities shouldn't be in the scene at all. Thoughts like she can't have sex, she can't feel pleasure, why is she here? Let's say this woman has had a lifetime of being treated this way. How do you think she feels about herself? She's most likely been a loner all her life, She's had few, if any, friends, low self-esteem, and she focuses on the negative things in her life, and she looks only at how her disability has affected her. 
Now let's look at another woman you may see in the dungeon. She's also in her 30s. She has long, beautiful hair, wearing a corset skirt and fishnet stockings. You can't help but stare at her cleavage or her round ass that you just want to spank. Would you say a hello to her? Hell yeah. As she talks, you see she is confident, smart, and sexy. You want to stay in this conversation. You find out that she's a submissive and a masochist. Maybe she's an exhibitionist and would love nothing more than to go down on you in the middle of the dungeon. So let's give these ladies names. The first lady, who you try to avoid all contact with, we'll call her Ange. The second one, who you can't wait to meet, we'll call Ella. Now maybe you see where I'm going with this. What if Ange and Ella are actually one and the same woman? What if you could look past all the assistive devices, the crutches, and the medical equipment that Ange has? What if you could see past her awkwardness? What if you could suspend your belief that she needs to be protected in order to see her as a desirable woman? You could be surprised and meet the submissive or slave that you've been waiting for. You could meet Ella, if you could do that. That is what my sir has done for me. That is what my friends in the kink community and play partners have done for me. I want to add that even though we have a lot of work to do to support people with disabilities in the scene, I believe we are way ahead of other communities and way ahead of the vanilla world. I've never had someone in a typical bar or nightclub start up a conversation with me, but I've had many people at a munch approach me and talk with me. I'm Angela or you may know me as Slave Ella in the scene. These two personalities I have described here will always be a part of me. I will always have a disability. Now, I don't have all the issues that Ange here has just yet, but I just turned 45 years old, and aging with a disability is difficult. A power scooter is not too far off in my future. My mobility issues are what people first see when they look at me. I walk with crutches and braces. I was born with spina bifida, which is often referred to as open spine. This basically affects the L4, L5 area for me. I will always stand at four foot nine, unless I actually get shorter with age. I will always be shy when I first walk into a room of people I do not know. As soon as you meet me, you see the crutches and the braces on my legs. The part of my disability I don't talk about as much is that I also have bladder and bowel issues. This has affected my sex life and my feelings of self-worth much more than the mobility issues have. I accept these things about myself today and I love myself Anyway, here's something I've learned in my 45 years. The more I can accept Ange with all the equipment and all the embarrassing medical issues, the more I can love her and take care of her, the more I become Ella. 
the more confident and desirable I can be. Which is why I created hashtag desirability. I started this hashtag and my blog because as people with disabilities, we have desires for sex, desires for relationships, and desires for alternative relationships. People with disabilities are desirable. I want to give some quick disclaimers and some information about my personal background. I'm not a doctor and I cannot give any medical advice. Even other people who have the same disability that I have will have different symptoms. I can only share from my own personal experience. And some of you may be asking yourself, how does this podcast pertain to me? You may be thinking, I'm not disabled. And there's something that we don't like to think about because it's scary to think about. But you never know when you or one of your partners could develop a disability or an illness and how that will change your current dynamic. Or in the future, you could enter into a new relationship with someone who has a disability. So it's a really important discussion for everyone to participate in. This discussion is also important no matter which side of the slash you are on or what your kink role may be. We could be talking about a master or a dominant with a disability, a pup or a handler with a disability, or another role. I'm sharing my personal story as a submissive and slave, but this is relevant no matter what your role. And I would love to hear from other people in other kink roles uh, I'd love to have you come on the show and share your story. I'm going to reference three different periods of my life throughout this podcast. My vanilla life, then the period where I was poly and entering the kink scene in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and now my life as a 24-7 slave in a total power exchange dynamic. I have never legally married because of concerns about needing certain medical benefits. I did call my first partner my husband. We were together since I was in high school until he passed away at the age of 44, which was over five years ago. He and I were polyamorous, but we were not in a power exchange dynamic. I will refer to him as my husband. I refer to my current partner as my sir or master. My master has joined me a few times in presentations on this topic and shares his unique point of view on owning a slave with a disability, and he'll be on the show in later episodes. I strive to be more and more like Ella every day. I didn't get there overnight. I've gone back and forth between these two different personalities Ange and Ella, throughout my life, both are still with me. I was Ange when I was growing up. I was a loner kid, not because I wanted to be alone, but because I was often excluded. I was the last one the kids chose to play with at recess or to eat lunch with in the cafeteria. School was hard for me. I was Ange as a teenager when... I thought I'd never find a boyfriend. When I realized in my 20s that I was bisexual, but
but I thought I'd never meet a girlfriend. When I thought I'll never get married. When I came into the kink scene and I observed others being flogged, I thought, wow, I'll never be able to experience that. Years later, I thought, okay, I'm submissive and I like to be controlled in the bedroom, but I could never be a 24-7 slave. That was all Ange talking. I had this attitude of, I have a disability, so I'll never be able to do any of these things. But with the support of others in this community along every step of my journey, Ella came along and said, fuck that, why the hell not? Ella also has a foul mouth, if you haven't noticed. This part of my personality that I call Ella first came out when I met my husband when I was 18 years old. And he was the first person to look at me as an adult rather than a child and to tell me that I was beautiful. He took me to my prom, my senior prom, and got me out on the dance floor. It was the first time I thought, who cares who's watching me? Who cares if I can't dance? I can have a blast dancing anyway. My husband later would become a DJ. Now, I was still a loner, so I would still sit at a table by myself. But then, guess what I would do? I was often the first one up on the dance floor, and I would become the first one to get up and sing karaoke. Ella was just beginning to wake up at that time. People would start to talk to me. They might join me on the dance floor or talk to me about that song I sang. The part of my personality that I call Ange held all my insecurities, my low self-esteem, and my own body shaming. Ange also had insecurities when I became sexually active, particularly because of my bladder issues. I'll discuss my medical issues in future episodes, how my medical issues and my disability have affected my sex life and kink for me both as a young adult and how it has changed as I'm now in middle age. Over time, I admitted to myself and to my husband that I was also attracted to women. My first sexual experience with a woman was not a positive one. After that first experience, in my mind, I went back to feeling like Ange and feeling insecure. I thought, okay, I'm married. That's enough for me. I'm going to focus on my marriage. I tried to not think about women ever again, and that didn't work so well. Eventually, I couldn't hide my feelings anymore, and I wanted to start dating women. My husband and I opened our marriage, and we explored polyamory. So here I was in my 30s, and just starting to learn how to date. I joined some online dating sites like OkCupid. I started going to poly meetup groups on meetup.com. While I would date casually, my husband found a girlfriend and fell in love again. I'll talk about our poly triad between me, my husband, and his girlfriend in future episodes. As I would continue going to poly meetups, I heard about FetLife as a lot of poly folks were in the kink scene. And I do believe it takes guts for anyone to come out to their first munch, but especially people with disabilities who have been loners all their lives and have felt shunned all their lives. It's especially difficult for them to come out to an event. 
Now, I was lucky because I could drag my vanilla husband out to munches and play parties. He was sort of like my wingman. I honestly don't know if I would have gone on my own. I think aside from having accessible locations for munches and parties, we can support people with disabilities coming in the scene by going over to them, introducing ourselves to them, and starting up a conversation. The amazing thing, when I got to this community, people here did not ignore me. They talked to me, they flirted with me, they encouraged me to be me. They didn't ask me about my disability right off the bat. You know, questions in the vanilla world that I would get were, you know, what happened to you? In the kink world, they asked me questions like, what kink are you into? Are you a top or a bottom? They encouraged me to find and embrace Ella. It wasn't until my mid-30s and I was in the kink scene where I said to myself, you know, this is always going to be my body. This is always going to be me. I'm never going to walk straight. I'm never going to have long, skinny legs. So I'm going to accept it and enjoy it. I started wearing sexy lingerie, started wearing fishnet stockings underneath my leg braces. I'm wearing sexy dresses. Other people told me that I look sexy, and for the first time, I believed them. When I first came into the scene, I was honestly just looking for other poly folks. I actually found another man I was attracted to. I remember going to parties in the beginning, and I wouldn't participate. I would just watch on the sidelines. I would watch this particular dominant and his slave. I didn't understand the attraction of BDSM at the time, but I watched. And when I saw how when I saw them playing and I saw how much his slave enjoyed it, when I would listen to her coming from being flogged or whipped, I knew that this was something I wanted to experience for myself. Ange didn't think I could, but Ella really wanted it. Eventually, I had my first flogging scene with this man. And if you keep coming back, I'll share that story in a future episode. When I first came to the scene, I thought the kink world was all about just kinky sex and fun. What I found, though, was actually a community that would take care of its own. My husband passed away at the age of 44 due to a heart condition. My metamor, his girlfriend, and I would care for him over the last six months of his life. My metamor and the friends I made in this community took care of me during that time and after his passing. It was my friends who I call my chosen family who helped me survive that time. They sat with me, they cooked food for me, they made sure I ate, and they did my laundry. They went shopping for me and bought me cat litter. I never thought I would find love again after my husband passed away, but I stayed active in my local kink scene. I would continue going to events and munches. I thought, you know, eventually I may have casual play partners again, but I never thought I'd find another long-term partner. 
That was until an acquaintance I had known for years from munches started talking with me more. He and I would spend more time talking together at munches and other events. We could actually be in the middle of a dungeon and just sit there talking the whole time where all this other play was going on around us. I think as people with disabilities, we sometimes have to take more risks to find partners and find relationships. We have to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable. We have to risk rejection. Just as the part of my personality that I call Ella took a chance back in high school to ask a friend of mine to go to my prom, I had to take a chance and ask this dominant I knew to go to a munch with me as an adult in the kink scene. I was very fortunate that both of those men said yes. So this dominant and I go to our first munch together. You know how at most munches, people will be moving around and mingling with different people? He and I stayed glued to our seats and seemed to only be interested in talking with one another. Our friends quickly noticed this connection we had before we even did. I also felt very comfortable because I knew this was a dominant that my husband knew and respected. Today, I call that dominant my sir, and I am devoted to him. You'll get to hear from him also as you follow this podcast. My sir and I started off as a DS dominant and submissive couple, and we slowly over the past four years developed into the MS couple we are today. You may be asking, what is the difference? There are different terms you'll hear in the scene. On the dominant side, or what you hear, may hear as the left side of the slash, you'll hear terms like top, dominant, and master. On the S side, or the right side of the slash, you'll hear bottom, submissive, and slave. I'll describe these terms as I see them. To me, a bottom is specifically for a play scene. It's just about the scene, the role that you play in that scene. Now, some people are switches, so they may be a top for one scene and a bottom for another scene. A submissive is more about being submissive in a relationship. It's moving beyond the play or moving beyond bottoming just in the bedroom. A submissive may be given different service tasks or rules to follow. A slave is even deeper. It's more 24-7. So I am always a slave to my master. It's not a role I play. It's not something I turn on and off. I go to work, and when I'm at work, I may not be able to answer my phone when he calls, but that is understood in our relationship. I have other responsibilities, and they are taken into account. My first and foremost responsibility is to him. By working, I contribute to the household, and so that is also being responsible to him. My mentor also stated it to me this way. 
A slave is always representing their master or their household, even when they are not together. So my behavior is always a representation of my sir, and I want to make my sir proud. One example of that is being on time or being late. My sir is always on time or early wherever he goes. Before he and I got together, I was always 10 minutes late for everything, even work. Now today, even if I were going to work, I would be on time because today I'm a representative of my sir and being on time is important to him and I always strive to make him proud. Going back to mentors, my sir and I each have a mentor in the scene. A mentor is someone who can guide you. My mentor is another slave who's been in the scene longer than I have and someone I look up to and respect. We get together and we talk. She's someone I can ask questions of and who can help me understand what being a slave is all about. My sir's mentor is another master that he looks up to and respects and he can go to for advice and support. So now I'm a slave in a 24-7 power exchange dynamic. Our dynamic does not look like other MS dynamics due to my disability, but it is no less valid. I am in service to my sir. My sir probably does a lot more household tasks than other masters, but I do provide daily service. And the most important part of our dynamic is obedience. I am obedient to my sir. That does not mean I don't get any say. He takes my opinions into account, but he has the final say. He leads and I follow. Some of my friends may ask, is being in a power exchange dynamic healthy? I believe that some power exchange dynamics are not healthy and some are, just like any other relationship. The relationship that I'm in has been healthy for me. I am someone who has been in therapy and who takes medications for mental health issues. My mental health has actually improved since being in this dynamic. I believe both Sir and I gain something from this dynamic. My Sir helps me to be a better version of myself. He helps Ange to be a little more like Ella every day. Let me give you an example. I mentioned earlier that I'm always awkward around a crowd of people. That is true even to this day. Whenever I'm in a crowd, even if it's people I know, I have a hard time talking and fitting in. I'll try to get my point across, but I speak very low and I have difficulty projecting my voice and being heard. My sir has noticed this about me. When he sees me having difficulty communicating, he will help me by directing the focus to me. He also has talked with our close-knit friends and has encouraged them to help me in those moments. And they have since made me feel like I have a voice and they will pay attention if they see me about to say something. Today I have a voice I can share and I've become much more outgoing because of this help.
being submissive, I have found freedom to be myself and to be slave Ella. You never want to rush into a power exchange dynamic. But when you find someone you can truly trust to let go and find that freedom, it is beautiful. I want to thank you if you've gotten this far in the podcast, and I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. I would love to hear your thoughts about submission and power exchange, whether you're in a current dynamic or not. Even if you're thinking, why in the world would she want to do that? Tune in to episode three, where I will talk about my relationships and sexual experiences prior to King and why I desired submission. At the end of every episode, I'll be posting a question for you to consider. Today's question is, as a disabled person, how do I meet people and find a relationship? This has been the number one question I get at presentations I've given. I'll be discussing this and more in the next episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the question. Go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R ability.com and share your thoughts with me. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S. I-R, ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.